Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Spartans. It is Tuesday, February 25th, 2020. I am your host, Will Hunter, joined by my championship winning co-host, Matt Sheehan. Matt, what a a plug. What is going on? Not just figuring out what to do with these (laughs) two size medium Parks and Rec Men's Division II League Championship t-shirts. That our team won tonight. I, I would say I won, but I, I was very clearly the seventh man on this seven-man team. Uh, there you we go. got one for the regular season title, which we didn't know, and we also won our playoffs today. Nice. I did. I did. If I can flex a little bit. Yeah, flex I, away, bud. I did set a record because we did semifinals at seven, championship at nine. I, I did. I did set a record for highest field goal percentage on championship Monday because your boy <laughs> shot once in the semis. Zero times in the championship, <laughs> and that one shot you best believe went in, baby. So, you're like, 100%. <laughs> you are Nick Ward as the greatest three point shooter yes, in the history of Michigan State 100%. <laughs> so, this is my last podcast I'm doing. I told you before we recorded, I am going to play professionally overseas, probably in Greece, maybe Lithuania. Who knows? Whoever's going to take me in, but yeah, my ego's never been, never been bigger. So, yeah, been fantastic. A, been a good night. I, uh, I can't even begin to tell you how proud I am of you because you. I am not in any way proud of you. Okay. Well, no, that that's fair. That's fair. Very understandable. On today's show. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about real basketball players. <laughs> we are going to preview Michigan State and Iowa. Um, yep. Hawkeyes coming to the Brez, which is, we'll talk about it, a weird, weird situation for them. Always, just always is. Um not a place that Iowa likes to go and play basketball. Not necessarily thriving. No. No. So we will uh, we'll talk about that for sure. We'll probably spend two segments on that. There is a decent amount of stuff to get into, and uh, Michigan State hasn't played Iowa yet this year, and it no. always feels like they play at Iowa every single year. Um, it feels like they play twice at Iowa every yes. single year. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this is late in the season, you know, end of February. So we'll uh, spend a little extra time compared to other previews um, and definitely do two segments on this. And then we'll spend the third segment uh, switching gears to football. Mel Tucker had his first press conference. Um, and we'll see if there's any anything interesting worth talking about there. I have one thing I want to touch on quickly. Uh, we got some new assistant coaches as well. Um, and Matt, the, the recruiting stuff we, we talked about yesterday, just, uh, I want to reemphasize, oh, yeah. uh, again, just what is going on with this. And, and we won't, we, you know, we're going to kind of bebop around in that third segment. So, yeah, it was great. Tucker's heard us talk about how he's offering <laughs> high kids and he said, Oh, oh you, just you idiots haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> and yeah, just Twitter once again lit up. I feel like me and you are the only ones that don't have offers from Michigan state yeah. on the Twitter sphere, but Hey. The ones that do, very highly rated, which is eh, exciting. You know, why not just take a hack? Why, why not, not take a hack? Why not take a hack? Um, and we're also going to talk about B1G Savant. <laughs> we're not going to, but shout out. Oh, once, um, oh my God. Yeah, that's the Abby I keep seeing all over yes, the place. Like, yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I noticed something was going on. I was like, what the hell is happening? That's just um, one thing that, like, you sometimes you see things on Twitter, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm going to backtrack this, see how this even started. This one, I'm like, you know what? I, I, took, I feel like I'm already <laughs> way too behind right now to even begin. So I, we'll just I took over. two steps in. I know kind of where it came from. It involves a doxing situation. Oh, perfect. Which, Good. if you're not online, is when someone has a pseudonym or, or something like that. 
and you reveal who they are. Um, that mm. is called doxing or, or their personal information. Um, a lot of nuance around that conversation, whether it's a good thing, bad thing, but it, it sort of revolves around that and the true identity uh, of a popular MSU Twitter personality. And just now we've got clones popping up all over the place. And so <laughs> shout out to you guys. I was like, you know what? I don't have time to dig all the way back <laughs> into this. And I'm just going to let the mystery uh, play itself out and see 900 of those in my notifications liking my tweets. I appreciate all of you, though. Yeah, perfect. No, very well done. Very well orchestrated movement here. Um, yeah, I don't even know uh, what we were talking about. Let's uh, let's <laughs> let's just roll into it. Why not? Yeah, reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. You can find Locked On Spartans wherever you get podcasts. We do this show every single day, five days a week, half an hour episodes dedicated to the world of Michigan State football and basketball. Matt, well, let's talk about some Michigan State Iowa basketball. Let's do it, and I'll just kick it off with the inane gambling question. When's the last time MSU wasn't seven-point favorites at a home game? <laughs> I feel like that's been the spread ever since January 1 rolled around, ever since the Big Ten season started. Like, you can set your watch to it. Death, taxes, MSU being seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home against a Big Ten team. That's just, I, I had to get that out there. I don't know if anyone else has that revisionist history with every spread so far this season, but it started to drive me a little crazy. I'm just going to throw this out there, Matt. Michigan State is seventh in Ken Palm adjusted efficiency. They I are like the number five team in terms of like the balance team. So we've talked about you usually need balance to win in March in the NCAA tournament. If you're elite on offense, but so-so on defense, that's the profile of a team that gets bounced early. So Gonzaga, Dayton both fit that profile uh, it's Kansas, it's Baylor, it's Duke, it's San Diego State, and then it's your Michigan State Spartans in terms of quality, good offense, good defense, balanced basketball teams. So, gotcha. I know it's wild, but like, it is. That's a lot of numbers and math to wrap around. But Michigan like State it. is is good. They're still good. Yeah, when they're ranked top ten in something, I like that. So yes, I um, like that. Let's talk specifically about Iowa. How much have you watched of them? I've caught a, a few of their games. Um, and, and certainly more spurts here and there. I'm the um, same way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. En- enough to be scared of Luke Garza, enough to <laughs> sure. be concerned about their three-point shooting. Yep. But as far as people not named Luke Garza. Um, Luca. I'm, I, excuse me, Luca Garza. I it, no, I do it all the time because the Garza in the Luca, I'm like, it's not Luca Garza, it's Luca. And no, it's Luca. I get yeah. checked up on that name. My bad. I, I know that McCaffrey's having, like, I don't know, solid season. Man, uh, he sucks. Wieskamp is solid. He's a very good player. I like um, Wieskamp. CJ Frederick seemingly shoots 87% from three. Injured. He is. Oh, my God, that's right. I totally forgot about that. He missed that. the last two. Oh, that's right. Can, they still bludgeoned Ohio State. I remember watching yeah. that game now. It, yep. It's all coming back to me. Yeah, so we, we'll get to Frederick. But just like you said, um, Iowa kind of not lives and dies with Luca Garza, but they're relying on him a ton. He takes, like, by percentage of shots, like, when he's on the floor, he takes 35% of the shots when he's on the floor. I feel and like it's that not a horrible strategy, though, for the Hawkeyes. No, it's not. It seems um, to be working okay for them. That that 35% is 14th in the country. So he is one of the most shot-taking people. He's taken 351 twos this year. I'm honestly shocked that's <laughs> still outside the top 10, let alone top 5 in the nation. That's yeah, you got Marcus Howard and some ah, that's true. like that. That's true. 
but he takes you know a lot of their offense goes through him. He is yep, he was a decent player up and down. You know he could do some things. Could have some nights where he'd score, and then some nights where he's not scoring and he's getting cooked for twenty four and ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has taken a massive step forward. Um, he's going to win Big Ten Player of the Year. He just oh absolutely he, yeah. he is. He's I don't know what his per game averages are because I don't generally look at that stuff. But it's like I don't know what is it like twenty. Four and he's 10. uh yeah twenty three point seven points per game. He's got what one assist and uh, yeah. yeah nine point six rebounds. Yeah. Yep. So twenty basically twenty four and ten. <laughs> like that is absolutely absurd. Yeah. Um, that he's having a great year and he's um kind of dynamic. I you know not like a dynamic athlete or anything, but in terms of like game, um he certainly is prolific inside the post. Moves around. Uh, well, he's not as lumbering as he used to be, and now he can step outside and he's shooting 38% from three. And that's the um, problem, yeah. On, you know, three-ish, a little bit more than three attempts per game. So his game has become well-rounded. Still not a great passer, as you alluded to, his assist, uh, you know, unassist per game. Right, yeah. So we could see some doubling. Definitely going to see people dig down in the post. Um, But it all starts with him and... That's going to be Xavier Tillman's job, and that is going to be a matchup of probably the most prolific, best post scorer in the conference this year, and one of, if not the best post defenders in the conference this year. That's going to be fun. Yeah, and it could be another big game for Marcus Bingham, too. Maybe, obviously, I'm not talking about the offensive side of the ball, but just on the defensive side, Bingham has done a pretty solid job when he gets his what anywhere between 8, 10, 14 minutes a night against the likes of Oturu or Dasunmu. Um, does a good job against some pretty solid big men in the Big Ten that can stretch it a little bit outside. So, yeah, yeah like, T- Tillman's obviously going to get the bulk here. That, that's, you know, you don't have to be Tom Izzo to figure that out. Uh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think Bingham is going to get a healthy dose here, and I don't hate that. That's that's fine with me. He He's proven himself. yeah. Garza's going to have some weight on him. As every other player taller than six foot five in the Big Ten does against Bingham. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we got a decent sample size of what he's done throughout the year so far to not think Garza will go for forty four and thirty two. You know, <laughs> and he'll hold his hold his own. You're not going to shut him down, but can no. you contain him to an eighteen point night, a can sixteen you, point night? Yeah. Maybe, hopefully, that's going to be the plan. And can Tillman and Bingham do it? <laughs> I I. Don't hate that. I don't hate that those are the two guys that MSU will likely. Maybe whispers. Maybe whispers of Julius Marble in there. Julius, five hard fouls to give five Marble. Five hard fouls. Sprinkle him in there. I don't I don't hate that you know, artillery of players MSU can send at him. The goal is with him to make him score 20 points on 22 shots. Right? Make Correct. him yeah. shoot 50%. Or less from two, which and is put tough him to on do. The, and put him on the line. Put him on the line. Um, yeah, he is shooting 64% from the free throw line this season. That is the one spot. Like, he is nationally ranked in, like, every category except for free throws. He's shooting 64% there, and he's taken a ton. That's where he's human. Correct. And um, if I lived anywhere closer to East Lansing and I had access to the men's basketball facility or don't have access, I would break in. That's not a problem. Probably through the vents, I would assume. I would have to get carried out in a straight straight jacket, <laughs> screaming myself purple during the film session, saying, play Braden Burke. He's got five fouls to give. Because that would be my strategy going into this game. Hack this man. Hack him. 
play hard defense, life that makes them call the fouls, play a little bit nastier than you usually would in the paint. You know, let's try to, I don't know, let's try to cover seven and a half tomorrow. Let's try tonight. to get, yeah, let's just get physical. Um, let's pause here for a sec. We'll come back and talk about Iowa more broadly, their team profile and some of the other guys and how they uh, kind of match up with Michigan State. So we'll do that here in just a second. Okay, Matt, so Iowa 19-8 and overall, one of the teams in the logjam, 10-6 and in the conference. They are 22nd overall in Ken Palm. They have the number five offense in the country, but the number 92 defense in the country. They play really fast. Um, they're really balanced on offense. They kind of do everything decently well. They're not super elite anywhere, but they're just solid everywhere. They're good, pretty good shooting team. Um only a little bit better from three than Michigan State is actually, which surprised me. And they don't take as many threes as you would think. But again, it's just it's really weighted by Luca Garza um, yeah. because, like I said, he's taken three hundred and fifty-one two points uh, shots this year. Just That's two point dose. shots, very healthy dose. Yeah. Two, 351 two point shots, hundred and seventy-three free throws, and ninety-two threes. The man puts the ball in the air a lot. Let's uh let's let's look at their conference stuff here. I, like I noticed that idea. I noticed an interesting trend, if you will. Lay it on me. Yeah, so I'm just gonna read you the results of a few games, okay? Please. I like okay, the they results. Got, they got a one hundred and three to ninety one loss against Michigan. That was a while ago, right? Oh yeah. We're okay. I mean okay. we're just it all the way back. Got it. Um they've got a eighty nine to eighty six loss to Penn State. Okay. You've got a 76-70 loss to Nebraska. Oh. You've got a 75-62 win against Northwestern. They've got an 82-72 loss to Maryland. They've got a 104-68 loss to Purdue. They've got an 89-77 loss to Indiana. And they've got a 58-55 win, holy crap, against Minnesota. Matt, what do all those games have in common? I that, Those were high numbers, that's for sure. They were all played on the road. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, my brain got stuck on two things. One, I totally forgot they lost in Nebraska. They That's did. a horrible look. And B, this is a, kind of a sidetrack topic. Is anyone having a more fascinating season than Purdue? No. Anyone in the country. <laughs> no, There's no never. way. No, okay. it's, that's every single year, Matt. That's true. Every but single year. It's really year. exaggerated this year. It's oh, like it's living crazy. life directly on the bubble, mm-hmm. either winning by 4,000 points or losing by 15. That's yeah. just their MO this year. <laughs> Purdue, so sorry, I, I, my brain got stuck on those two things. Purdue beat Iowa by 36, then beat Indiana on the road by 12, and lost four straight games after that. <laughs> it's just, were any of those losses close? I, I feel like all those losses um, were at the least clo- They points. lost by four to Wisconsin on the road. Okay, good for them. All right, we'll count that as a win. Yeah, the, the committee will, will allow that as a win. Um, but the point is, Iowa yeah, sorry. pretty bad away from uh, home this year and the conference. Hmm, if only Breslin had a yeah. rock, raucous environment. If only. Um, they've shot it much p- more poorly on the road. I mean, that you know, they scored 91 on Michigan but gave up 103. Um, that hurts. Yeah. In, re- in regulation, uh, was that an overtime game or was that regulation? That was a regulation game. That's what I thought. That's, oh yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah, they scored it a bunch against Penn State, but Nebraska, 70 points and 71 possessions, mm, excuse me, uh, is not good <laughs> against no. the Nebraska defense. Um, did okay against Maryland, um, but 68 points, 68 possessions against Purdue. 
77 and 77 possessions against Indiana. Like the the uh, even Minnesota, 66 possessions. They only scored 58 points, but got a win. The offense is lights out at home. Like, yeah, they scored 90 on 73 possessions against Michigan and beat them pretty easily. Um, they hammered Maryland. They you know they beat Illinois 72 points, 63 possessions against Illinois. The offense is awesome at home. And I'm it's, so glad we don't have to play there. Yes. It's just kind of like, pretty, it's pretty good on the road. It and is. With and the potential to be bad. Well, of course. Well, and I'm, I'm happy that we don't play them at home because not only do they clearly light it up there, I, I think they're the most annoying fans in the Big Ten. For basketball. For basketball. Uh, no, one, no, one, no one in, in Iowa State limits has any idea what an actual travel <laughs> is, an actual double dribble, an actual charge. I, I swear they fill Carver Hawkeye Arena up with what we'll call 14,000 fans that have never even heard of basketball until noon that day. And, and that, they just trot them out there. And, oh, my God, just, just the whining is unbelievable. And that includes their head coach. Does it? You, oh, you think you think they take after their head coach a little bit. Huh, interesting. You seems to be very level-headed. I am very excited to do my annual tradition of simply tweeting out a picture of a tomato <laughs> when Fran McCaffrey loses his mind, inevitably at some point. Um, I, I'm looking very much forward to doing that uh, during this game. Over, under, you doing that uh, before the under 12th timeout in the first half. Will it happen before that Ooh. or after it? I, I, I know. I feel like that's a good one. I feel it's like a good that's line. a good one. Yeah. I think like just after. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, like gotcha. under eight, maybe like a whistle, ten thirty left to go. Yeah, after like they break out of the under twelve timeout and let up an eight zero run. Yeah, something, something yep. casual like that. Something Iowa. Something casual. Yeah, something light. Um, it doesn't take much. <laughs> That's the thing. It, it might not doesn't. even have to be an eight zero run. It could just be like I don't know an and one on a layup. Yeah, or just a layup. It could just, be anything. It's very fast. It's the game within the game. It is. Um, he makes Izzo look like the Dalai Lama. Yeah, <laughs> which is hundred percent just mind blowing. Um, let's talk about some other guys. So, um, Joe Weiskamp. Weiskamp is the other guy who's probably the most professional-ish player on their team. He's a big wing who can shoot it. Mm-hmm. Um, shooting thirty-seven percent on high volume from three this year. Some you know money from the free throw line. Not as much of a playmaker as they would probably hope he is, but he's someone who can absolutely get buckets. Um, Fran's kid, Connor, is, I think, mostly playing because um, his dad and him have the same name. That helps. 247 had him as a pretty good player. He He's okay. Has, he has mo- it's, it's weird. You ever get this where you watch a little bit of a team, but the same person lights it up every single time? Sure. Like that's that's kind of who it is for me with he, with Iowa. He he has flashes. I'm like, damn, he's good. How many is he averaging? Oh, he's averaging five points a game. Yes. He doesn't. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't shoot it much, and he doesn't shoot it well. Um, he does do a pretty good job of playmaking, and he doesn't turn the ball over. So he's not, not a liability. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't right. screw up. He gets to the free throw line and makes it, but he's shooting 35 percent from two, 31 percent from three. He's not an offensive option. The big thing here is C.J. Frederick. Um, he's been hurt. Fran McCaffrey said on a conference call they're not going to play him until he's 100% because they're kind of out of the conference race. Um, 
they're looking towards the tournament. You know, you you would hate to throw him back in there and something happens and he misses the tournament. So mm-hmm. his eyes are on the tournament with him. Um, but Frederick is freshman, plays, um, you know, some two guard for them, handles the ball. They do a lot of like combo stuff. They don't really, they have a traditional point guard, um, but it's, we'll talk about it. But CJ Frederick uh, shoots for them and shoots it well. He's 47% from three. Um, that's the 15th best rate in the country. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. His offensive rating is super high. He doesn't take as many shots as he probably should. He's perfect. Like, yeah, he's like one, two, three, four. He's like fifth. There's yeah, Bahannon's out now, so he's like fifth on the team in terms of like percentage of shots taken. But he's an absolute sniper. Um, and yeah, he's someone you got to be certainly on the lookout for. And he's, you know. He hasn't exactly lit up, and I mean, he's had some games where he scored 18 points on eight shots, um, which is incredibly impressive. Yeah, definitely. Um, but he's also had games where he scored six points on you know nine shots because um, he's taken a bunch of threes, and you know you're gonna have some nights where you miss him, and he just doesn't take a ton of shots uh, outside for, uh, outside of his three pointers. So he's someone if he's healthy and he's able to get up some shots um, from deep, can absolutely hurt Michigan State, but. In his absence, their shooting kind of takes a big dip. Uh, it's Wieskamp, it's Garza, and then they really struggle. Fortunately for them, those two take like all their shots. <laughs> um, but the other guys on this team don't really threaten uh, offensively. Ryan Kreiner can score from two. Um, he's their, their other big that they play gotcha. alongside Garza. Um, but he's not a high-volume player at all. He's just kind of efficient. So, yeah, it's really like... Do what you can against Garza. Make sure Weisskamp doesn't go off on you and hit four threes. If Frederick plays, make sure he's not getting four or five open looks. Um, and you can kind of slow them down. I, that sounds like a great plan to me, Will. Sounds like a plan, right? It does. Is it, is it time? Is it time for my favorite part about basketball preview talk? It is time. Ken Palm has this as a 79-73 to 73 victory for Michigan State. Okay. Uh, ooh, oh. What would that be, like a 68% chance of victory or something like that? It is a very nice 69% chance. Ooh! Nice. 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 Um, okay, yeah, in Iowa, just real quick, 92 on defense. They're bad on the defensive glass. They do not force turnovers, which in theory would be good for Michigan State, but they turn it over against anyone. I was going to say, team... did Nebraska not do great yes. at the turnover? Yes. Okay, yes. perfect. Excellent. Um, We're due to sh- have a good game on the turnover <laughs> margins then. All teams right. uh, shoot it pretty well um, against them. So not a great defense. You can score on them kind of from everywhere. And, um, yeah, they're just not uh, an outstanding defense. But if this game ends up 85-83 or something like that, like Iowa can absolutely – run away with a game like this if they get hot. Uh, all yeah. right, let's pause here. We'll come back and talk about some football things, recruiting, Ooh. coaching staff, all that good stuff. Mel Tucker's press conference. We'll do that here in just a second. All right, Matt. All right, Will. Let's take this home. Let's take this sucker home. Did you um, Did you see anything or read any quotes from Mel Tucker's press conference? It hit and miss. Sorry, I, th- this was the really the one time I was busy today at work, and because that's just how life works. So hit hit and miss throughout the, the press conference. Sorry. Did you see anything that interested you? <sighs> Not overwhelmingly, no. 
no. If if you have a topic to bring up, go go for it because I I got nothing. It. Yeah. Um, the only thing, and we're not going to dive into this a ton because it was there's a lot of coach speak, but something that is interesting and worth watching, I think, is what they do on the defensive side of the ball in terms of structure. So, yeah. they are multiple, I guess. Hybrid uh, is a fun term that people like to throw around, yeah. and it's basically. They're not going to be in the 3-4 all the time. They're not going to be in the 4-3 all the time. They're going to mix it up. And sometimes they're going to do 3-4 uh, on one side of the formation, 4-3 on the other. Um, it's something that that type of formation is something that Bill Belichick has made like cool, um, as he tends to do with football things uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of Saban um, in this defense. And it'll be really interesting to see because that's a big transition for Michigan State. Uh, they played. I would say so. Yes, <laughs> they played four three. Um, would occasionally go into a four two if you like absolutely force their hand. Um, but it was four def- down linemen every single snap uh, forever. Um, right. So yeah. that's something to see because they're going to have to figure out who they have that can play in the three four, mm-hmm. and who they have that like is the personnel just. 4-3 this year. Can they even run some 3-4? Um, do they have guys that can play defensive tackle, uh, or I guess the end, in the uh, in the 3-4? Which I think they do. I don't think that'll be an issue. Um, the big thing is nose tackle in the 3-4 is kind of Thin. this. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that they, they have a guy, I think, right now who can do it uh, in terms of just body type, and that's Naquan Jones. Right, who weighs like three hundred and thirty pounds, um, and is but just, after that it gets scary. But after yeah. that, it's like yeah, they haven't recruited uh, a three four zero technique nose tackle ever. Right, yeah. <laughs> like they just haven't. Um, so that's something to watch. I'm sh- I'm sure they're going to start recruiting kids like that and sort of start to blend in these three four. Hope um, so. <laughs> yeah, these three four tendencies um, and different formations. Throughout the uh, the Tucker process, but I'm really it's something to watch out for in spring practice in terms of reporting. Um, certainly in the spring game, what do they look like from a formation standpoint? Because there are going to be some big changes on that side of the ball, and it could be uh, an adjustment period. Yeah, there's some really good football players on that side of the ball, and mm-hmm. I think they'll sort of figure it out uh, decently. But it could be something that they absolutely struggle with uh, in the early going, switching defenses from you know, uh, an only 4-3 to one that is more multiple hybrid-ish and just doing different things. Especially with the death that MSU has or rather doesn't really have in the front 7-2. They, they lost some some talent. Don't get me wrong, they, they still have good people. But excuse me for being an MSU fan that just worries about injuries a lot. You know, <laughs> like, okay, Anton Simmons, he seems like a great guy to, to fill that fourth role, kind of be the in-between guy what if he goes down? You know, well, I, obviously you never want your starters to go down, but it's it's especially maximized in this situation where you're trying to have a new defense. There's really not a lot of athletes on the roster that can fill these specialized roles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, listen, we're going to say it no less than 4,000 times before kickoff on September, whatever day they decide to kick the season off, whether it's Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. This is going to be a rough season. There's going to be a few reasons for it being a rough season. The front seven getting acclimated with what could be a new look on defense with 
skills that they don't really have to fill these positions with. Yeah. New techniques. going to be a reason for this. New techniques on the back end, too. It's not going to be press quarters like they did. Like, there are going to be different yeah. coverages. Um, there's going to be probably more man, some different blitzing, ways of blitzing. Like, there are going to be busts. Um and they're going to be figuring some stuff out on the fly. And hopefully just with like Trestle and Harlan Barnett and Burton, you know, there's some continuity there and it'll be sort of an evolution where they're growing and changing over time into the defense that they want to be because they're not going to, Tucker's not going to come in and toss everything Michigan State players know how to do and do well mm-hmm. out the window right away. Like, And that that's why I kind of like having a few guys from the yes. former staff hanging around on the defensive side of the ball. Yes. Yeah, that, um, that, that can't hurt. No, but it was just two people. <laughs> they, um, they've been recruiting to a 4-3 for a long time. Their DNs um, are going to have to get bigger or smaller. <laughs> Their tackles um, are going to have to either get bigger or a little bit smaller. Like you just like there's some tweaking and adjusting that has to get done with the difference between playing as a nose tackle, as a three technique, as a five technique, as a seven technique, like all those different spots on the line. It's just there's subtle differences from the three, four to the four, three, and they're going to have to sort of adjust that as it plays out this year. Um, so that's something interesting to watch. We got the spring game Saturday, April 14th or April 18th. Yeah, that's, so that's relatively late, right? Feels a little bit, maybe a week or two. They start practice. Uh, March seventeenth, I think, which is you know it's understandable. Some teams oh, are already that practicing. Sucks. They can't they can't go out and celebrate St. Patrick's Day. That's, no, that's such a shame. Do you oh, think I that's mean, on purpose? Think, think about uh, yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> huh, I don't know. I'm going back to my days. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, East Lansing. No, those were pretty tame. <laughs> tame pretty afternoons. Tame. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we talked about recruiting yesterday and just how it's going to be a little bit different under Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. And since we had that discussion. Uh, he has offered the number two pro-style quarterback in the 2022 class. So the juniors, or um, the soon-to-be juniors. Yeah, this is all confusing. It's just getting so much deeper. It's um, horrible. So yeah, the number two quarterback in the class of 2022, so a couple of years from now, offered him. And uh, recently offered uh, the number three running back in the class of 2021, the number 30 overall prospect in the entire country. Um, Matt, what was the way you described this syringe in the butt syringe hanging out of the ass as you're approaching the batter's box. Here's unapologetically swinging for the fences and just throwing out these offers like they're hotcakes. And I absolutely love it. Hey, you're not going to get all these guys. You're, you're not going to get 10% of these guys. Probably you're not going to get any of them. (laughs) You might get one. And if you get one, hell yeah. (laughs) And especially that running back too. I, I like the kid's name. I like his name. LJ Johnson history. Jr. MSU has a good history with LJs. I'm just saying. I know I'm going way back here. He uh, they have good luck with him. Yeah, he posted uh, his the picture he posted with his um, announcement of his offer on Twitter is a picture of one LJ Scott. Crystal ball him. Crystal, Crystal ball, ball him. Do yep. it. Um, but yeah, it's just reinforcing like the plan A targets for Michigan State under Mel Tucker are different than the plan A targets for Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio. And there's going to be a lot more misses, and that's fine because they don't penalize you for your misses. Um, nope. You hit one, you hit two, you hit three, you're, you you know, you start building on something like, holy crap, Michigan State just landed the number 67 player in the country. 
Michigan State just landed the number 98 player and the number 127 and the number 170. They've got four top 200 recruits. That's a pretty good-looking class. And they're all quarterbacks. And they're all quarterbacks. (laughs) That's right. So um, it's just, yeah, it's just that. It's, It's taking big cuts, trying to hit home runs instead of being cool with hitting singles and doubles. And they're going to strike out more, but damn it, I, I would like to think someone with, his, got him. Yeah. His, someone with his recruiting prowess. The players he got to go commit to Colorado. <laughs> Correct, yes. I think he can bring some some talent to, to East Lansing. Yeah, he's got a good staff around him too, that seems. Uh, yeah, good uh, transition. in recruiting. Good transition nice. to uh, something we're going to talk about just for a second here. Finishing out the staff, we've got one more assistant. A defensive coordinator needs to be hired. <laughs> I'll do it, Will. I'll do it. You could do it. We'll run um, a two five. <laughs> I like them apples. We're gonna put two tiny guys on the line, and then mm-hmm. five huge dudes behind them. And at the yep. at the snap, all the five huge guys are gonna sprint at the line, and the two guys are gonna drop back. Yeah, Matt Coughlin and Steven Izzo are your two down there linemen to start. Uh, they hired Russ L, special teams coordinator, which is his only job. Which is cool. It feels like that's a smart thing to do is to have one person whose job it is to run special teams. Yeah, and that seems to play. Yeah, that plays. Els has done a good job. Uh, improved Colorado's special teams by like 40-something spots and had a top five special teams with Nebraska, um, what was it, like four or five years ago. So that's good there. And I'm very intrigued by the hire of William Piegler's running backs coach. He's 34. He's been in the college coaching game for 10 seasons. Uh, he's been with Jay Johnson for a while. Um, was He's been kind of all over the place. He spent some time at Georgia uh, with uh, Mel Tucker as like a quality control guy and uh, was a student assistant for the football team uh, at Clemson under Dabo. Um, so some good programs that he's been a part of and Tucker thought so much of him, uh, from their time at Georgia thinks he's a, you know, he calls him a rising star in the coaching profession on the offensive side, uh, that he poached him, took him to Colorado, gave him a quality control analyst working with the quarterback's job. And now he's given him his first full-time positional head or positional job in college football as a running backs coach for MSU. Um, that's like the difference of making like 30, 40, 50 grand a year. And now he's going to be making well into the six figures. So that's a big jump for him. Um, and yeah, I think it's just a really interesting background that he has been working as a coach, uh, since he was 24 at the college level has been at Georgia, Colorado, Minnesota, um, was with Johnson at Lafayette where they had some pretty good offenses, graduated from Clemson was around Dabo in that group, uh, as a student manager. So yeah, that's, uh, that's intriguing to me. I would put that under the intriguing category. I couldn't have said any better. Yeah. I don't really have a concrete opinion on him. Just like you said, young guy, he's bounced around to pretty nice programs. So why? Yeah, fine. It's not an offensive coordinator. You know, it's a running backs coach. Mm -hmm. What's the worst that could possibly happen, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know. I am not saying he's going to be Joe Brady. That would be insane. No, say it. Say it, you coward. Um, But do it. Like, if you go back and look at some of those Penn State teams, the reason Joe Brady's profile got elevated, like, he was sort of like an underling, and people thought really highly of him. And Sean Payton was like, saw a play and asked who designed the play or something like that, and was like, all right, you're going to come work for me. And then he's running the best college offense. in the country 
uh, a, a couple of years later. So that's sort of not that he's going to be this, but it's sort of that type of pedigree, like young, really impressive resume in terms of lower level um, jobs that he's held. And now he's getting that first shot to have an imprint on a team's offense. And I, I like the fact that there's at least one of those guys as well as um, all these experienced, well thought of people, Gilmore, um, you know, Jay Johnson, yeah. all the other yep. guys. Um, it's an intriguing group. Um, and as long as, and I'm sure they'll do a good job with that last defensive positional coach hire, uh, or if they do hire a full DC, um, I'm sure they'll do a fine job with that. It's a pretty intriguing staff and I'm, I'm pretty happy with it given that it was starting on like February 6th. <laughs> yep. Or no, not you know even that team. It's like February 12th. Sorry. Right. Yeah. And man, you know, the, the last few years of the offense have been so bad that you could literally hire a guy with no college coaching experience, <laughs> which they have. Which they and have. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and write him off immediately. Like, I'm just excited to see fresh blood any way, shape or form. So yeah. people are fine. You know? Yeah. Go for it. Hawkins. Why? <laughs> Why not? That was um, yeah. I'm 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 just jazzed. That was the kicker of my what to expect from Jay Johnson's offense. Uh, with mm-hmm. the thing I wrote about uh, the kicker was, and la- like lastly, it literally cannot get worse on offense. <laughs> no, it can't. Do you? I would really hope they do a jet sweep to the short side of the field on the first play yeah. against Northwestern like how, as like a nice homage to yes. years past. Exactly. Like Georgia nice. Tech, Georgia Tech last year, first play lined up in the flex bone. Yes. Um, and then shifted out of it into the shotgun as like a, an official, oh. this is what we did. Thank like yep. uh, now this is what we're doing. That was really cool. Yeah. That would be and, great. And then they come out five wide, the next play and just <laughs> sling it downfield. Here we go. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Lockdown Spartans. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll recap this game, uh, Michigan State and Iowa, and see if uh, you know there's any other news. Maybe we got a defensive coordinator hire. Maybe there's more recruiting stuff to talk about. I'm sure uh, football will provide uh, content for us to discuss. So let's plan for the rest of the uh, week here. Thanks again. For listening to the show, reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked on Spartans wherever you get your podcast. We do this every single day, five days a week, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Matt, take us home. Let's just all get through this Iowa game together, everyone. All right. Love you all. Go green. Let's do it. We can do this.